back to the MMCast Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's going on? Happy to be back. Happy to be back in the saddle talking at Magic Gathering. It was a fun episode last week. I, was, I saw some of the comments. I was happy. I enjoyed talking to old Kamigawa. Felt kind of, kind of like felt like a throwback episode of our podcast, the old days. Yeah. I, I posted our little card design, the the tapped colorless land that makes a treasure and got like 60 people comment. It was like five, but 60 people commenting uh, how <laughs> that card's totally fine and they should just print it. Yeah, I saw some people have comments about it. One person it said it should be legendary, which is like fine, I guess. But like also, I admit, yeah, sure. I, like the point of that is you can't like play turn one, then turn two, and then on turn three have six mana or whatever, which, yeah, that works. I, it being legendary would be cool. Like Captain, oh, what's her, what's the Captain from Ixalan? Oh, uh, Lannery Storm. Yeah, Lanner, like Lannery Storm's Treasure Vault Island or whatever, and it comes into sure. play and like you get a treasure and it's legendary and... Maybe that yeah. one taps for blue or something. Who knows? Uh, all right. So today, uh, modern, it's going to be a modern focus episode. We're talking about companions. So uh, for those yes. who don't know, new newcomers to modern or newcomers to the podcast, companions a mechanic from uh, Ikoria, which when it was originally printed was uh, you put this creature in your command zone. It's a hybrid color creature. So it's uh, like black and white or blue and green. And uh, when... Uh, you have it in your your sideboard. If you reach a specific specification, you can then start the game in the companion zone, uh, where you then can cast that card from your companion, uh, from the sideboard, from the companion zone, and put it into play from the start of the game if you pay its mana cost, and your deck reaches the qualifications to have it be there. Uh, this example is the way are, it was originally intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was designed. Yes. Uh, this is like so. Luris, which is the best one then, and still. Uh, like every card in your every permanent in your deck had to have a converted mana cost of two or less. Uh, Yorion is your starting deck has to have uh, 20 cards more than your normal starting deck size. Karuga makes it so that you have to have only permanents or all cards in your deck have to have a converted mana cost that aren't lands uh, above three mana, three CMC or more. You have to have like all all creatures in your deck have to be of like four certain creature types. Yeah. So it's all all these different cool things. And then they come with abilities, right? Luris lets you cast stuff from your graveyard. Uh, Kihira lets uh, gives all of the creature types we mentioned plus one plus one. Yorion blinks any number of permanents that are in play when it enters the battlefield and is a flyer, etc. So this mechanic came out and broke magic in half and is arguably maybe the biggest design mistake in magic history. And I, people have come on table kind of arguing. it. So second time a card without anti has been banned in vintage ever. And first one time the card has been banned in like almost 20 years. The first one being Shaharazad and all the other ones had anti or like physical dexterity cards that just like no longer work within the rules of magic. Um, it is the like, at the time, I think Modern became 100% companion decks. Standard was broken by them in half as well. They broke Magic. And that was, I mean, that was the original, yeah, that was the original version. And honestly, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, again, I think you guys probably know this, but just to sort of frame of reference, like, why it is so problematic, it was called out by most of us when they were spoiled in the first place. We talked about this kind of at length in our predictions of what was going to happen in the set. And I think what we talked about was just the idea that, look, especially in a format like Modern, but in a lot of Magic formats, your sideboard's important, but having one less card in your sideboard is so low of a cost, it means so little to you, that as long as you're playing a powerful deck, it's such an upside that every single deck is going to play a companion, like, that can play a companion. And then you're just at a disadvantage because they start with basically an extra card, right? And that was before they, they made the change. So to essentially combat that so that it wasn't just like this automatic upside situation, they tried to fix the problem. 
and how they try to fix it. So uh, they did for the first time a full on and not the first time that rules have been errated, but this is the first time it was done. And instead of a banning, because one of the problems, they couldn't ban all these cards. So in vintage banning cards is really hard. And so they changed the rule to all cards cost. You now have this in your companion zone. And then at any point at sorcery speed, you may pay three generic mana to put that companion into your hand and then you can cast it. Um, and that has been what it has been since then. One of the things that was also interesting that we kind of didn't mention is like companion was already a controversial mechanic, even if it wasn't good, right? Because it opened the gates with Lutri, which is the blue red one was banned before release in commander because it stipulation is that you have to have one of every card in your deck be individual. So it makes your, your in a modern deck, every card you basically makes your deck into a commander deck, right? It makes it a single, single deck. deck. You're playing. Single. And, and so um in commander that costs that's not a cost that's the main rule and therefore every deck that has blue and red mana in their deck not only can play lutri just probably should as a free roll like you're just like lutri becomes the most played card in commander because every blue red combo deck every blue red color combo deck and more blue red green blue red black whatever has to play lutri and so they just banned it up front and it just happens to also be like a really cute electric otter and the first like legendary otter ever and is a command and is a legendary creature. So people are just like unhappy about that. And then on the other side, it was like really a sign of wizards trying to make 60 card magic more like commander because these cards really do play like commanders. You have a legendary creature in a exile zone that you are able to play at any point from the very beginning of the game. So like the PR around it was already going to be rough and then ends up being the most broken mechanic of all time. <laughs> and then because also the fix, I mean, the fix that they implemented only matters if the belief is that the decks that are going to be popular in any given format are faster than the inevitability of paying three additional mana for that card. Because the same problem still pertains to a sideboard being 14 versus 15 cards, not really being that relevant. I mean, the same idea is if you build a powerful deck and you can play a companion in that deck, then everybody should be playing a companion in their deck because it's an extra card, right? But it's the difference of like, imagine that you have a really good split card, a card that's really, really good early, like a card that everybody would play that costs one and you can play on turn one. And you're talking about the flip side of that card either costing three, like, you know, the more expensive effect costing three or costing six. Well, if it's a really good flip side, but the front side is going to be playable no matter what, it doesn't really matter that it costs three or costs six because if you're going to play long enough, you're going to get there, the card will still be good even if it costs six. And so by fixing it, by making things cost three more, it didn't get counteracted by decks essentially being faster or more dominant enough that it could push this out. They would have had to, I think, my question is to you, like, we'll start this, because that was the change they made. The change they made was to make everything cost three colorless generic mana to put a companion into your hand. And when it was in your hand, at that point, you could cast it like a regular card. And that was three more than the initial design. If it had cost twice that, what if they had made it cost six to put it into your hand? Just murders the, me murders the mechanic. I, I think they, like the, the goal with the change was to make it a mechanic that still saw play and was something that people were still doing, but bad enough where you only did it if it was really worth it. And, and now, I mean, like if you look at right now in Modern, it's like 50% of decks are still playing with companions, right? That's, that's the reason this episode is happening is companion hasn't gone away. That change has still led to an environment where it is the most played mechanic, probably in modern, uh, other than maybe like fetch lands, if you count that as a mechanic. And they are 
like the the invitational tournament at SEG Con was 100 like there's one non-companion deck in the top 16 and that trend has continued where you know if you look at the top 30 decks like there's five or the top 18 decks there's six Luris decks three Urian decks two Kahira decks and when you like exit the top 16 and go farther you hit like a bunch of other Kahira decks etc and most of the companions, uh, or not most, about a half of them see some amount of modern play. I think that even if they had doubled the cost again, I think if it had cost six instead of three, I think that by and large you murder the mechanic. But I still think that they're, I still think sacrificing the 15th spot in your sideboard, if, it, if it's a deck that wants to fit that card into it, I don't actually, like, like imagine the, the Kahira decks, for instance. The whole point of Kahira in the deck is just to be a finisher. It's just the whole point of Kahira is just to play a control deck that has a creature to kill you with, right? So control decks just hit their land drops. It just means that the kill is slower, but they probably still just play Kahira because why wouldn't they? It, it's it's because the, the, the restriction isn't the sideboard slot, right? Like there there's wizards thought that when they were designing this mechanic, like, oh, sacrificing your 15th card is a real sacrifice for a deck. Yeah. And when reality, which I, which it like isn't, right? In reality, what it is is what's the deck building constraint? And one of the reasons Loris is so powerful is the deck building constraint he puts on a deck is like nothing. Yeah. Having to play with one and two drops and that's it in a competitive format like Modern is not a hard thing to accomplish, especially because you can also play, you know, any converted mana cost instant and sorcery, right? Any side of that is you're just like available to you. You can play Ad Nauseum, you can play Scape Shift, you can do whatever. And... The reason Kahira sees playing control decks is it's not very hard to include either no creatures or because of the the pitch elementals from Modern Horizons 2, just those are your only creatures, are elementals. So the like creature types that Kahira is selecting aren't a control decks can just not play any creature, right? I've played a control deck that had just planeswalkers and token makers or whatever. And B, so now you have like a three-two that enters play and like maybe pumps one of your removal spells if you cast it. It pumps your furies or your 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 solitudes. Um Luro sees play because it's easy. Yurion also sees play because it's deck building restriction in a format like Modern where you can get to 80 cards and your card quality isn't dipping off too hard is worth having this like super powerful blink right. control finisher value engine and, 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 and you know, evasive flyer. So it's it. Those are like the three main ones, right? Kahira has the lowest barrier to entry. Uh, Luros is by far the most powerful with Yurion not far behind that. Um, the fourth most common is uh, the red green one, which is Gigantha, which is five mana for a, a five five legendary elemental elk. Uh, it's companion text is no no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol and its cost, so everything has to be an X one, and then it can tap to make one color of every mana. And Tron's playing this card. Storm plays this card. This is like the second easiest to accomplish of the different companions, uh, depending on what you consider Urion there is difficulty in shuffling those decks. <laughs> so those all see active play in modern. Now, now Gigantha's decks don't, isn't as seen at the top of the tables as much, partially because her decks, Tron and Storm are just not as well positioned right now as other of these decks. Well, and also that what that card adds to those decks is less significant. There are, there are elements to the other cards, like like the Blink deck with Yorian is a deck that wants Yorian. Like it, yeah. And the Luris decks are... <laughs> made so much better by having Luris and right. the Kahira decks Kahira is a valuable card in the deck but like it's not I mean it's a good card but I would argue that the Gigantha deck like it like a storm deck doesn't need Gigantha to win. like a storm deck is really good it's just it's just a bonus storm storm gets to play Gigantha because there's nothing that it's playing that is important for the deck that uh, disallows it and now you have like a five five for eight that like 
right. is fine. And also maybe when you're going off adds five mana if you untapped with it. Uh, and in Tron decks, it's just like it's another eight mana five, you know, spell that you get to cast with yeah. your Tron lands and it's good. <laughs> um, and so what, one thing that's interesting, and we said this at the time, right? Companions is all we talked about in that era is the world of companions they're very versatile one of the reasons they're seeing so much play is that like eight different decks can be a Luris deck burn is playing Luris. jund is playing Luris. um hammer time is playing Luris. death shadows playing Luris. yeah rakdos uh you know uh uh Yurion seeing play in omnath five color you know omnath elemental decks it's seeing play in the blink decks kahira seeing play in elemental tribal decks and azurius control decks so like these cards are versatile Part, and so a lot of different decks can play them, which is one of the reason you're seeing them so ubiquitously. And they're not limiting the diversity of the format from a deck perspective. They are from a gameplay, right? Like the amount of games you can expect to play against the Luris makes it really difficult to like run any removal that doesn't exile uh, a graveyard or doesn't have an alternative purpose like Lightning Bolt. I think, you know, one of the reasons Fatal Push is just like fallen out of the format is because Luris is able to buy back any card that you would kill with that card. And I mean, in, in matchups where you play against Delirus, it's it's I mean, if you don't have the answer to stop it from happening, it's an un, it feels unbeatable at times. It's right. like a it's it's, it's ridiculous. Um, well, and, it, and it has the same priority rules that like a Planeswalker does. Right. Once they play Luris, they get a chance to recast their Mishra's Bobbles. So they're like they're always going to cantrip themselves out of the extra card. So it's always that extra card that they get. And then if you have a Mishra's Bobble in play and you they don't have a removal spells, it's three mana, draw two cards, have a three to lifelink creature that on the next turn will draw you your best card that you've ever gone to the grid. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to, it's, it's certainly interesting that like when you talk about new card types, um, like a, like a brand new mechanic, that's not something we've ever seen before. We talked about this on here a bunch. Um, when it does happen, the most aggressive ones were like, they're sort of a little overzealous in the design. I think that it comes from a place where they need it to be splashy and iconic for the game. So when you go and you look at Planeswalkers, they were created, they were invented to literally have characters that we would latch on to so they would be able to sell the story of magic. And obviously within a short time, they started making extraordinarily powerful cards, right? Like Jace was one of the one of the cards that happened relatively early on in the design because they wanted something splashy that was very cool that we could latch onto that they could put on a box and they could sell packs with. It ended up being a card that was dominant in this era. Now we look back and Jace feels much more like a great card that is reasonable now. But for a long time, it was just absurd. I mean, again, face of right, like like Oka was the face of Eldraine. Like that was that was the card that was on the boxes and the packs. Another pro situation where it was hugely problematic. So, I think if you look at these and you, you think the same thing, this is them trying to make competitive one v one magic feel a bit more like their most you know popular format, and they want us to be able to connect to have these sort of totem characters that we can bring out of the sideboard, and it ends up resulting in a situation like this one. Now, before we get into the rest of the episode and breaking down all the different things, we want to remind everybody here that we are brought to you by TCG Player. If you ever need to buy cards, if you want to buy any of the cool cards we're talking about, the decks that we share here, be sure to hit that affiliate link. You can see it below. And if you do, it just it, it gives us a little kickback and helps the show keep on going. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It's not complicated. If you are watching this, if you're listening, be sure to use our affiliate code. And also, we want to give a big thank you to our patrons uh, who we just recorded a long conversation about the Eternals for uh, in the pre-show, there's always about 15 or 20 minutes of Alex and I just doing like a random, generally speaking, movie or you know television-centric podcast before the show starts. And you guys get access to that, patreon.com slash the So a big-time salute 
a big uh, pickies up for the nobles of House Modern. And now the episode comes out a day early on Patreon as well. So not only do you get the audio a week early, where you get the unedited version plus 30 minutes of extra bonus content uh, of me and Ben talking about stuff we love, you also get the actual edited episode on YouTube a week, a day, a day early. So, so, you know, definitely check that out. It's a lot of cool stuff there as well. So the next thing I want to talk about, because we'll eventually have a conversation on what do we think the, the, the solution is the companions, but I do want to go over the other ones. I, Cause you know, we've now gone over the first five, uh, the ones that are seeing a lot of play. And I want to kind of go to the back half on like, you know, if this mechanic is this powerful, if this mechanic is so strong, do, is there potential in the other five, uh, companions that aren't currently seeing a lot of tier one play. And I think if I were to pick one that in modern that has the highest chance of, you know, making it to being a real card, it's Lutri. Um, today at Collins Mullen on Twitter posted a list uh, that a four color Lutri that he went 15 0 with has been like three different tournaments he's gone 5 0 on. And it's a banger. It's like all like, as we said, Lutri, every card has you can't have more than one of any card. So like every land has to be a single 10. All of the, the spells have to be, but you know, he's playing Consider Opt and Serum Visions, Cling to Dust, Fatal Push, Inquisition, and Colicals like End Thought Seize, Dragon Rage Channeler, Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, and Unholy Heat, Prismatic Endings, so, you know, like a bunch of different one drops, a bunch of different counter spells. Like there's enough close enough to the same power level variety in modern that you're able to basically play this full control shell and then have Lutri as this amazing value engine where for three mana you put in your hand, and then for, so for those who know, Lutri is uh, blue, red, blue, red, one, so three mana, uh, four A. Three, two, legendary elemental otter, uh, and it has companion, it has flash. When Lutri spell tracer enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. It's like um, dual caster mage. It's like a dual caster mage, but yeah. it's a three, two instead of a two, two, and it only can copy spells that you control where I think dual caster can target either. Yes, I believe, I believe it can, but like, you know, you're able to, if you get to turn six, which is a control deck, copy your prismatic commands or your Colligan's commands or your different card draw, like expressive iterations, removal spells, lightning helix. So there's like a lot of really cool cards you get to copy and a flash three, two, like a dual caster mage, but you get every game, no matter what, and you draw it for free is, pretty powerful right the the problem has always been is there a deck that's cons like can a deck be singleton right that is a very hard to accomplish task but modern has gone to the point where there's enough redundancy where i think it's possible and and uh colin Mul collins mullen is is accomplishing it right now right so that was like the list that started this i don't think that's like a dubious i don't think it's like a dubious concern to be honest i mean it's funny because right. like we've played We've played a tremendous amount of competitive 1v1 uh, with Highlander Gauntlet, which like really ultimately, for the most part, does play like singleton 1v1 modern. I mean, there are some really powerful things going on there that you can play because there are a few cards that are not legal. But for the most part, it is a format that 90% resembles modern. And so we know, obviously, that you can build extraordinarily powerful decks that are singleton, that are spell heavy, and it doesn't really feel, they don't feel like you are drawing things and it's totally random what version of your deck you get. It often feels like you're getting a fairly consistent version of your deck with similar cards. You know, maybe the play style is a little different game to game. And I think it's probably the same thing, but I wouldn't be surprised because like if you talk about the if you talk about the upside of this card, I mean, the upside of this card is that for three mana and it doesn't cost you, I mean, it costs you the sideboard slot, but who cares? But for three mana, getting this card into your hand and then having the end of turn once I get it to like six and I and I double my prismatic command, like a three mana three two flash as a free card out of your sideboard anyway is fine. 
And if that card doubles up on a decent spell for you, I mean, it puts you pretty far ahead. It's pretty good value. Like that, yeah. that's that's as good as you're getting in a lot of situations in modern. Like having there aren't a lot of cards that are gonna for the extra three mana get you that much value. Um, no, and 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 like there are just enough good cards in four color, and four color is not super hard to accomplish, especially when your mana base has to be singleton. Now, this deck does just like get eaten by a Magus of the Moon, but a lot of decks in the format do, and it has good removal spells, and it's playing red, so it can get around it. Um, so the next the next one I wanted to talk about is Zerda. So Zerda is a one red white red white. It's the Boros one uh, elemental fox. Uh, it's a three three legendary creature. Um, its requirement is each permanent card in your deck has to be have an activated ability. So everything has to have an activated ability. Lands generally have those, so those count there. Uh, and then abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. And then this effect can't reduce the mana in that cost to less than one mana. Uh, and then it is uh, one mana tap it, target creature can't block this turn, uh, which I always thought was a really funny ability because the first half is good enough. It's a 3-3 three, three for three training grounds on a creature, but your creatures all have to have the tap ability on them yeah. at some point. So, or, or like I a mean, colon, right? Yeah. So the, so the list, and this one hasn't hasn't gone really far. This is We're now in the world of speculation, right? I don't have necessary tournament results on these, um, but the, the list that was shared on Twitter, and this was uh, from uh, Lance at NeverEnder87. He shared a thing from the Rift289 on Reddit, um, and it's an elf deck. And it's trying to use Zerda alongside Umbral Mantle, which is an equipment that has the untap ability. So three mana untap, uh, the creature gets plus two, plus two. So with Zerda, any land or elf, any one, anything that can tap for one mana with Zerda in play goes infinite. You get an infinitely large creature that you then can attack with. Um, and that's kind of like one of the combo finishes. Plus, like kind of like Hira, right? Having a free three mana creature that can attack and block and has other abilities in your command zone. Basically every game is worth a significant amount of deck finagling regardless. And then add the fact that this has combo potential in the elf deck is, you know, it's interesting. It also is playing Azuri renegade leader. So you're able to do the overrun effect, but instead of for five mana, it's three mana um, and some other cards in the deck that like just getting that, that discount is always nice. At one point, I had built this deck that was uh, centered around Nicol Bolas, the one from, uh, what is it, M21? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the one that flips over and turns into a Planeswalker that for seven mana, you can activate it and flip it over. And it was a pack rat training grounds Nicol Bolas deck. And I'm trying to remember what the other card was. But the whole idea of the deck was that if you hit a training grounds on turn one, uh, and then on turn two, you played pack rat, then on turn three, you could untap and you could, you know, hit triple black, discard your hand, and make three pack rats and just get way, way, way ahead. And mm -hmm. that the idea, obviously, was that Nicol Bolas is a decent cost anyway on the front, but then if you have training grounds in play, you're able to resolve Nicol Bolas and then flip it the next turn. Um, if you were to play Zerda in that deck, because it's red-red and it still fits into the Grixis sub-theme, there's a Tra number of blue... What? Training grounds can't be in a deck with Zerda together. At each permanent card in your start... Oh, oh, permanent. I thought it was each creature. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. So you cannot combine the two. So, okay. So but, you get, so but you have, instead of playing like with a one-drop enchantment that you have to draw, and if you, like, is kind of bad in the wrong matchups, Zerda being in your command zone means that the deck, like, always has the combo available at the moment you need it to be. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, you could just play Zerda in that deck, 
<laughs> not as a companion and that could also work no i think like people because like people have talked about doing that with Luris, right like oh if i get three drops i just play four Luris in my deck that could be even better and it ends up just like Luris as a companion even with new role is better than having Luris in your main deck interesting yeah that doesn't surprise me um but oh so the, the also in the elf deck you also have like any creature that makes more than um with the umbral mantle any creature that makes more than four mana just will go infinite but it with zerda in play just goes infinite mana without effort and that's also true with elvish arch Dru or devoted druid so devoted druid and umbral manta and zerda goes infinite mana as well so there's like a bunch of different infinite mana combos um and is like just like a cool option every permanent so you can play like collected company you can play triple green convoke <laughs> tutors court of calling court of court of calling thank you and then yeah to your point like there's a bunch of cool activated ability stuff there's definitely combo potential and I'd be really interested to see like different places this can stay. There's like uh, also I think affinity list like because you now have Zabraz or whatever the one mana like one white first strike one red do a thing. You have Arcdown Ravager. You have Emery. Like you can do a you can do a Jeskai colored affinity artifact D list. Urza has an activated ability that like takes advantage of of Zerda without too much effort and like having a bunch of bobble artifacts that all do a thing makes them all like really powerful and then like turning urza's ability into three mana do the thing versus five mana is like so much of a jump yeah i would agree with you that i think zerda probably does exist in a world where there's so many powerful cards now that have the stapled on activated ability it's like it's kind of a thing that they do now they like to make splashy rares that cost like around four mana as long as the permanent itself costs minimum three, but often it's like four or five, they'll give you some splashy card that has like a pretty strong into the battlefield ability. And then like a kind of tertiary activated ability that's but quite good if you were able to get enough mana for it. And so like Zerta is exactly the card that you play in that deck because it just turbocharges your deck that's playing just a bunch of heaters anyway. I mean, Urza is the, Urza is the staple version of the card we're talking about. Yeah, um, but even but stuff they, like... Like that that wolf from Eldrain that enters the battlefield and fights something, but you could like sack of food to make it indestructible. Like, right? I'm not saying that right. that card is good with Zerda. I'm just saying like there's a ton of creatures that have like actually this is a thing that does a thing and it has an activated ability. <laughs> yeah, that. right. They do it a lot now, and I think I think you're right that Zerda probably fits really nicely. I mean, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it more and more, like the deck I was talking about wouldn't play Pack Rat with Zerda probably because like Pack Rat's pretty weak on its own. But the deck I'm talking about probably would play Nicol Bolas sure. because if you're just playing cards that you just legit you just resolve Nicol Bolas and then like if you've already gotten Zerda into your hand, like it just flips the next turn. You just mm -hmm. like have a giant planeswalker. I, I do think that I think Packrat's cool with Zerda. I don't know if I agree that you'd cut Packrat. Like that card, I mean, right now removal is really good, but like you get that effect, and Zerda is way more consistent than training grounds. Uh like other card like the other one that we have, like Ranger Captain of Eos can be in a yeah. Because it yeah, has true. the sacrifice to give to your opponents can't cast non-creature spells this turn for some reason, but that's a card you could play. <laughs> um, so that's so so the, so we're still in the in the world of speculation. What do you think is the next most realistic? Obosh. Obosh. Okay. Obosh has put up some results because uh, this is this is the card you're talking about, right? When you said, "What if everything costs six mana?" Yeah, right? that's that's because Obosh was costed at five to work with the old companion rule as someone who plays Ob I have a Obosh commander deck now that three mana commander tax when you have a five drop that you're trying to play is so much more than when you're trying to play a three drop right you don't you don't get the option of like three drop or six mana 
if I get the six mana, I can play it all at once. It's like, no, I have to get to eight mana to play this card or I have to wait two turns. That's, I think, the limitation, right? Like if if the companion text was six mana, does Luracy play? Obosh is an example of that. Now, Obosh is a worse ability, but for those who don't know, he's a five mana, three, five Helion Horror. Horror. Your starting deck can only contain cards with an odd converted mana cost. So that is one drops, three drops, five drops, seven drops, and beyond. Um, and then if a source you would control with odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent instead. And the main deck you're seeing this card see play in are like the old prowess decks where like it was just like a bunch of like one drop creatures that are like really good with like lightning bolts and stuff like that or um, death shadow lists. Those, those right. two things can pull it off really well. <laughs> death shadow, that's so sweet. Death shadow is just a one hit kill. Yeah, you have yeah, yeah. Death Shadow kills in one hit. You have Alp, you know, you can play Colgan's Command still, right? Because that's a three converted mana cost. You still get Lightning Bolt. So you still get a lot of like key cards to that deck. Even even Street Wraith is a five mana card. Yeah, I mean Obosh, the thing that's really interesting about Obosh is that, you know, if the only type of deck you can really play Obosh in consistently is the type you're talking about that has a pretty good A game plan anyway that can win the game without Obosh, it doesn't really need Obosh. You can't build a deck that is waiting to get Obosh in play to win with in modern mm -hmm. because it's too slow because you, you'll never get the chance. You'll never get the chance to spend three mana to do nothing and then spend five mana to do nothing and have to untap the next turn to then win. It doesn't matter what kind of deck you're playing. I mean, I can imagine right. a deck that's playing all control and like burn, like all counter spells and lightning bolts and like things that are just going to like, like the dream is to resolve a lightning bolt. For but you six don't get counterspell, right? You get you have to play three drop counterspells. You can't. Play you have to play spell. P you're playing spell pierce, and you have to play mm -hmm. like uh, the three the, the free mana or uh, force of negation, and like you you, you know. can't play the like one mana X counter a spell for X stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, but, so it's 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 interesting, but yeah, like because I'm imagining like the way I would love to play this deck is, is like you know some really really good control deck. That's just countering everything and removing everything. And then it finally, once, you know, once it resolves this card, it untaps and it's just like lightning bolt you for six, lightning right. bolt you for six. Like that's the dream, but it's like lightning bolts good anyway. You don't need a lightning bolt for six. So then why yeah. are you trying to resolve this thing? You know, well, what, what I like about in the death shadow decks is like they can run out of gas, right? They do have some of that as a limitation. And like the fact that like in a Mardu list, especially like you just play four death shadow, four Ragavan, four for dragon rage channeler and yeah. you have a creature suite that's like good enough and then you just play like thought seizes and lightning bolts and you can play street wraith still uh like you still get some of the key cards that you have in that deck anyways and and now like the deck just gets to play obosh for free there's no you didn't lose anything like that's where i think obot and and to be honest the rest of the companions i think this is true of to some extent is like well no that's not true for obosh and some of the ones we've talked about before that was true like it's a free roll. Do, does this deck, maybe I lose, two, maybe this deck would normally want to be playing um, Kroxa, right? Maybe like I have to sacrifice my Kroxas or I have to, I can't play Terminates in this deck. But because of that, I get like this late game engine that does turn my lightning bolts into, you know, six damage. Or when I play it, I just win because I have two, a rock, like a Death Shadow in play and they thought they could block my. It's so interesting know, the way deck. these restrictions work because like, you look at the card and your your mind immediately starts turning like, okay, what can I do with it? How can I do this? And it's like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, you could play one of these in the board and three in the main and you could Gorio's Vengeance. And then you, and it's like, nope, but Vengeance costs two. So like you, you can't, it's like that. That's, I mean, and that's the cool part of the restriction. That's why these cards are actually cool. And it's sad to me that they're as good as they are because I don't, 
they're not good for magic. We've seen it now for long enough that I don't actually think they make. And we knew this, like, like you can go back and listen to the episodes from two and a half years ago, or whenever these came out, I guess these were just before COVID. I think, I think these were, yeah. Yeah. So I think these were two years ago, just about, um, you can go listen to those episodes and there's a lot of conversation we're having at that time of what these are going to do and what we expect. And then when they came out, it got even worse. And I think it was just this feeling, this homogenous feeling of the play experience was going to, and I remember it was even worse than standard. God, when these things were in standard, that was like, that was nuts. That was not fun for anybody. And anyway, so, but, but it's funny because the restriction, the idea and the intention behind these cards is actually really pure. And it's one of, it's one of the cooler ideas they've had in a really long time. Uh, of a new way to affect competitive magic. It's like, it's, it, it makes me feel like if there was ever another set of companions that they could go and design responsibly, probably what would happen is they wouldn't be powerful enough <laughs> and they'd be boring. Yeah, That's probably what would happen. I do want to talk about that in a second. I, don't, I want to get through the rest of the companions because we're in that section, but I do want to talk about like, could they design more? Uh, the next card to go over is Karuga. Uh, for those who follow Hermit Druid on Twitter, uh, you know this boy very well. Uh, this is Karuga the Macro Sage. Three uh, blue-green, blue-green, so five mana for a three, uh, for a five-four dinosaur hippo. Your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and land cards. So this is the reverse Lurus. It specifies all cards where Lurus does let instants and sorceries that are more than two mana be allowed in the decks. And then when it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other permanent you control with converted mana cost three or greater. I will say this. I've seen this card cast in Hermit Druid's uh, in Nathan's different commander decks, and it is a bonkers card. When your deck is doing the thing and you're able to cast Karuga, it does extraordinarily powerful things. Being able to draw six cards for a five mana is even for eight mana is like not that out of the framework of what control decks kind of want to do anyways. The issue is the deck building restriction. The five you know, has to be under three mana. Interesting, though, is that there is already a control deck in the format that has the same restriction, and those are the crashing football decks. You already right. have a deck that has to basically play no card in the deck that is less than three mana. They're doing it because they're playing crashing footballs and they're playing cascade spells to cascade into a under a three drop. But Karuga could take those shells and look at what's possible. I asked Zach Allen literally commented on Twitter when I asked the question on like what companion decks have you seen? He was like, I literally spent like two days brewing a Karuga crashing footballs deck before I realized that crashing footballs can't be in a Karuga deck because it costs less than three mana. But he thought like it was like Lurus where you can have spells. So he was disappointed. But <laughs> um, you do get weird options. You get access to Fire and Ice with Karuga. You get access to Dead and Gone. You get Bone Crusher Giant. You get Brazen Borrower. You do get, you know, uh, uh, Force Negation and all of the elementals, right? There's a lot of cards you can play now that are more than three mana that can skirt under the radar and play this control game as you get permanence into play, like, you know, Brazen Borrowers and Bone Crusher Giants, that then when you play this Karuga on turn six, you just refill your hand up with removal spells and control control pieces. So I, I think they're like... Is this as good as like turn three, eight power in play? That's the real challenge. And if the format ever becomes really good at answering two, four, four tokens, 
that's when I would be looking at Karuga as a as an alternative option here. I think you're I think we're in the same conversation that we were just having a second ago about Obosh. And I think it's that like basically you sacrificing because this is where we started the conversation about companions. There's only a select few of these that you can build your deck around, really actually build your deck around. And we've seen consistent results with the higher cost, with the extra three mana they changed the rules to. Right. We know that Luris works that way. We've seen Yorian work that way. Beyond those two, building your deck around them gets kind of dicey. And I think when you get into the ones that cost five, it's just modern's a tough format to resolve something that costs five mana if you are waiting to do that. Like it, it, or essentially something that costs essentially eight mana over two turns. But like right. waiting to do that is a really tough thing to do. The format's pretty oppressive. It's pretty fast. You give a couple of these decks room to breathe and you're just done. You're out. It's over right. very fast. And so I don't think you can alter the early game plan of a footballs deck just to play this. It isn't technically altering it, right? Like the deck is still just doing the removal things. It's just it's it need it won't have the three mana play that it does. Instead, it has this like. And what does that mean? I don't know. Like, what do you play instead that makes it more efficient or worthwhile? Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, I'll say this one feels more powerful to me in, in if in the deck that. In the deck that is able to use this effectively, this actually feels more powerful to me than Obosh. Because I think the decks that want Obosh, they they only really want Obosh as a win more card. Whereas I actually think that the deck that wants this card, this becomes an essential late game. You're going to like figure out a way to beat me. Otherwise, this card is just going to like win. Right. I, I think I think the big difference between the two is that this is a card that's restriction is already being worked around in modern with a deck. But that deck is better than what this card would do, right? Like Cascade into Crashing Footfalls is just going to be better than what a Karuga deck would be almost every single time. And maybe someone finds something cute that you can do with it where you're like blinking it or whatever. But in the end, you're just Crashing Footfalls is going to be more powerful versus Obosh, which I think is not asking for deck building restrictions from the decks that would play it much more. The issue with Obosh, I think, is just you're choosing between Obosh and Luris. And is there a three mana permanent that makes Obosh worth it that cuts Luris out? Because otherwise, if I'm playing just a deck with all one drops, I'd rather just play Luris because it's going to be better than Obosh is. So why am I doing something different? Um, The only other one is if you're just in mono red, right? Like mono red prowess decks or um, even like red white, like or not red white, red blue. Uh, uh, prowess decks playing Obosh makes sense to me because it's another it's a deck that I can't play Luris. Luris is no longer in my colors. I'm getting the advantage of getting a different companion. Maybe that makes sense. And and so both of them are kind of outclassed just by better options that are available. Karuga, I just think I do think has like a little bit of a higher barrier to entry just because of the 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 access point, right? The fact that there's just a better deck that is one of the best decks in the format and cascading into footfalls or cascading into uh living end is gonna be better than whatever karuga is doing now i have heard talk of like should cascade not work the way it does i've heard people say like if you know cascade maybe is made in a way that like the way they change the rules with tybalt trickery and uh, uh tybalt sorry not with trickery with tybalt during that era 
do they make it so like crashing footballs can't get cascaded into right like you have to have a converted mana cost to be able to cascade into it well right so if that's so if that rule change happens then it's a whole different conversation right and that could happen we've we've seen rule changes like that happen it's because anytime anytime something is doing like a fairly unnatural thing in magic or it does it for long enough that's when they'll start to kick around the idea of the rules changing to support it they rarely i mean i would say very rarely will they do something like they did with companion where it's like this is not printed on the physical card it is not on the physical card the only way you're going to know how this works if you buy a pack at a store and you read this card is that someone's going to tell you or you're going to look it up we don't get rule books and packs anymore like one of the craziest things i've ever seen actually you you can there is a luris now that has the correct rules text printed on it really yeah, it was in a dual deck or like, well, it was like in a pre-con deck. They they, okay, they have printed Luris since the original printing. In that printing, it has the updated companion text. But I, but beyond that, yes, I agree. The rules of the card no longer read as written. Where like with Cascade into suspend cards right. with zero converted mana cost, adding the rule ca- that there has to be a cost in that card, like no cost does not count as a thing you can Cascade into is like, already a thing that if a new player was to read these cards would maybe think wouldn't work right in yeah. the same way that like lands don't get the cascade like they're like oh yeah that doesn't have a cost so that like that's the thing that i would have that's it. what i'm saying when it comes to nebulous rules that players have an instinct to ask about in the first place changing those rules or altering like the stack is a good example of like well like that was how magic worked for a long time but it's not that intuitive and if you explain it to a new player like this is how it works it's hard to understand the stack in the first place. So not having it is easier and it makes the game just cleaner. It's like same same thing with any of these weird rules that, that have to do with like the combination of mana costs and how that affects a card. Like if I'm trying to understand how something works, I'm probably going to ask. I probably will say like, does this happen? And, you know, anyway. So with companions, I think if they were to change it, perhaps we could see a Karuga, you know, like jump up. Right. Uh, and I believe we only have one companion left to go over, and that is the blue black one. Yeah, no, we have uh, two of them. There's two, two of them. Two. There's the blue black one, and then there's the black green one. Oh, black green. We'll start with we'll start with Garuda though, who is uh, is the, that's the six drop most expensive companion there is, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so it's a it's a Garuda, the Doom of the Depths, four blue black blue black for a six six Demon Kraken. Uh, your starting deck, it's the it's the other side of Obosh. Your starting deck can only have even cost uh, permanents and or just cards in general in the deck. Everything has to be even. So, at, you know, zero mana, two mana, four mana, six mana. Uh, when Garuda enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of the library into the graveyard, put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. The best thing Garuda has going on with it is that it's a combo card. There is a right. there is a combo deck that wins when it casts Garuda. If your deck is mostly clones and an Emrakul, I believe, or not, not an Emrakul, but mostly clones and like some big thing at the end of it, you can basically play Garuda and then the deck goes through the entire deck, self-milling yourself, and then you eventually find a Thassa's Oracle and you put it into play and you win. Right? That's that's the combo. I remembered it. So like because every like you can whiff, right? After like your if you reveal the top six cards and you don't get a sink, if you get all lands. You lose only the top four. It's not it's not top six. It's only top four cards. I think if this was top six, this already would have been a beater. I think the fact that it is top four and it costs six mana. So like to get this in hand and cast, it costs nine. And then you only see four. And as we've seen with many card selection spells, four ain't that deep. It's very easy for your deck Mm -hmm. to get shuffled around in such a way that you do not hit the optimal card you need in the top four. You fizzle and like 
this whole deck would depend on that. So well, but you get as long as you untap, your hand is now filled with clones. The problem is your deck is just clones, right? You're, right, you're playing like, and maybe there's a meta game we're just playing for. Um, what's the two mana clone? Uh, uh, Renegade doppelganger, phantasmal image. Two, yeah, two phantasmal image, and and like a bunch of other four mana clones is like okay but i feel like that deck is not not gonna not gonna really cut it in the modern day of, of and don't we have a three mana don't we have the the clone land now too from zendikar uh you can't play that in this deck it is a three mana card oh right you have to <laughs> i keep every time we talk about the restriction i immediately start trying to brew and i get around the restriction i mean this is why they're cool this is this is bums me out having the conversation and that clone deck was like a, a a meme deck that did pretty well for like two weeks in standard, right? Like standard decks right. actually tried to pull that off. I think in modern, this is like a reanimator control finisher. If you're just like playing a persist and unmarked grave and Gorio or a Gorio's Vengeance deck. And because like now all the discard outlets are good at two mana, maybe you're just playing like a two mana reanimator list. And this is just your like top end reanimator spell yeah it's fair yeah i mean it, it is it ex- it's i mean it's definitely an expensive reanimator spell <laughs> i mean but but it's but it's in your sideboard yeah yeah like you're playing like Gorio's vengeance is grizzlebrand eight mana right it's an eight mana spell yeah yeah because it's, yeah. it's eight mana for a seven 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 yeah so so if you're playing like a, a like a grizzlebrand reanimator deck that's playing two mana and four mana reanimator spells and then just like a bunch of control terminates and counter spells and your game plan is just like eventually i'm going to have a grizzle brand yeah maybe grudacy's playing that deck but uh yeah this is this is the one that i think is like it seems dubious i mean i think the last one though which we're gonna get to which is omori the collector which is black green black green two for legendary creature ooze each non-land card in your starting deck shares a creature type um as umori enters the battlefield choose a card type spells you cast with the chosen type cost one less to cast and it's a four or five mm-hmm. um so like this one is this one is like you are building some sort of a tribal turbo deck whether it's like spell tribal creature tribal whatever mm-hmm. it is yeah so so i know that once again like uh, uh hermit at hermit drew i definitely recommend you follow nathan he he like definitely positioned himself as like in commander at least because he's a big CDH content creator, but then like even in casual, like come up with wild lists with companions, uh, which of of like people on the internet that are good with companions, I apparently am the best at Obosh and Luris and Commander, which is funny. But uh, <laughs> but he made a Mer- uh, an Umari list that is Storm, right? Like if you use creatures with Umari, you're able to like use all of the creatures that like make three mana when they enter play and then cost two mana like grinning ingus like yeah. cards and umari breaks that parody like grinning ingus and well, umari no, grinning ingus is the re- grinning ingus is the reverse ingus you can pay to return it to your hand and replay it i think i think the card you're thinking of is priest of Ourobrask is like a one red two for a th- for a three three i think that generates triple red when it enters i know priest of gix is the original version of that from the urza mm-hmm. saga that does triple black I think I think like I guess maybe you get ahead with Grinning Ignis if it costs. Yeah, yeah. so it's 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 two and a red for a two two red return Grinning Ignis to its owner's hand and add one one red or colorless colorless red. And you can only do it as a sorcery. So if you have a Mari in, you're now it's just yeah. I mean, you can replay it a hundred times, but it doesn't net you any mana. What are you? You have you have infinite enter the battlefield effects is what you get out of it. Yes. So so you're you now have a infinite ETB trigger. 
And that is a thing, right? There, there are a few ways I can think of, of having an elemental end of the battlefield infinite times that win you the game. Like that's that's the thing you can do with Amari. I knew, yeah, it was grinning Ignis is like the weird. There's also well, and there's card. also creatures. I mean, there are creatures that exist in modern that reduce your mana cost of other creatures that you can play that do similar things. If you wanted to go some sort of a tribal version, there's also a version of this that is stormish that is going to play artifacts, probably lots and lots of artifacts that cost one or cost two that generate mana or draw cards like sort of an eggs type of a thing. You could probably get away with this. But the problem with that, though, is that you're being required to pay three to get it in hand for a cast that it has to survive. Then you have to untap and go off with it, right? Like, right. unless everything is actually storm, like it's storm in the sense that it, as soon as you resolve this, everything costs nothing, generates mana and draws cards, which I don't think does exist. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not actually going to be something you can do that for one colorless, all, all things that cost one or less that manage to just get your chain perfect. I don't think mm -hmm. that exists. Um, well, I think so you need a little bit of mana. Yeah, I, I I think like the gridding in this combo would probably be where I'd point people as far as going infinite with it, right? And like figuring out ways to deal with that. But looking at in a different direction is like you don't have to name creatures. You can name artifact. And then you get artifact creatures and artifacts. So you get all of the... Um, True. You now get like this as an affinity card that makes like your one drop infinite affinity cards cost zero. You also can play it in enchantment decks. I've seen this. This is the one I've seen probably the most is enchantress decks playing this because... Sithis is an enchantment creature. So with all the enchantment creatures plus this, plus those decks make all of the mana they could ever want, you're now offering that deck a real option in the command zone that's actually pretty decent. Uh, Planeswalkers is another one. Like you could just do a Planeswalker tribal deck with Umari every... And like one of the problems with Planeswalkers is that they like are weirdly all three mana or more. And Umari yeah. could, if you can get in on turn four, you know you now have the ability to play with these control cards and a lot of planeswalkers have inherently just spell like abilities. You could play the Liliana's of the veils for like a Liliana for two on turn five is slow, but it's still like a pretty powerful spell. Is there a version of this? You could, there's not a version of this that can play instant, right? Cause Manamorphos then becomes, cause Manamorphos obviously is the best card in that deck, right? That's the card that makes it work. But then you also, you can play something like apostles blessing, which now becomes a free protect my protect my Umori. Right, because because it costs one less, I can just pay two life to cast it in response to your removal. So as soon as this resolves, as long as you have an Apostle's Blessing in hand, that Umori survives. You know, I wonder if there are like, I wonder how many instants there are that you can cast for, you know, that are two mana or less that you'll be able to cast for one to gain an advantage and keep the chain going. Yeah, I'm looking to see if there's a storm card that's an instant that has a wind condition attached. I don't... Is Grape Shot an instant? No, Grape Shot is a sorcery. Yeah, I don't think there is in modern. That's like good, right? The the squirrel one is not. No, it's also a sorcery. You can you can in in legacy brain freezes like brain freeze Umari is maybe a thing, but and then I don't think you need you like legacy. Storm doesn't Umari need to be then, playing yeah. uh, uh, this card. So uh, I think that they're like that. Being said. I think you could play a deck that is all instance instance and just like some of those instants are creature makers or control decks or counter spells and Amari's in there and you play with man, you know, creature lands that can turn into the things that you need to murder people with because like lands for the most part get around all these restrictions. So I do think there is a version that works that way. Is there like tap, like, like tap, untap things like, um, tap or untap target permanent type of thing that costs two, maybe like, can you play Fire Ice? Does that get you anything? 
Maybe, but I'd rather just play Urza. Or I'd rather play Zerda at that point, right? If you're trying to get. Oh, you're saying like yeah. an infinite sword, like a yeah, Fire and Ice is legal. You can I'm play Fire and Ice what... with the Mari, and it would be cheaper. I remember, like, yeah, right. Because like Fire, the, it's but it's tap target permanent. It doesn't untap a permanent. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out if like if there's an instant that can untap a permanent and also net you something. Like if Ice allowed you to untap target permanent and draw mm-hmm. a card for blue one then it gets reduced cost one and it just nets it's another spell that untaps a it's land free. and also would get you and get you a card there's like twiddle effects right and there's like one mana can't but they're like one mana i think so t- to me i think that like the grinning in this plan is one that's really interesting and enchantress are like the two that to me have mm. the highest chance because enchantress can just probably play this card they probably cost them like one card that would be better if they could play a non-enchantment card in their deck but by getting Omari in the sideboard, same as Kahira, once again, you're getting the advantage of a card accidentally. Um, well, you know, don't you also get, don't you run into a problem with situation there, though, where the, there are there enough enchantresses that are enchantment creature? There are both types that you could actually get away with that? One that they're seeing play in modern, the, there's two, the, the, the main modern playable ones that are playable are enchantment creatures. Because there's... Got it. there's okay. Well, you you don't get to play with the three mana one, the three mana Theros one. But you have to play with the four mana one, and then you get to play Scythus. Scythus is an enchantment creature. But the like, there's the creature that has Sarah Sanctum attached to it. That's an that's an enchantment creature. Mm. So there is in, there is a version of that deck that you can make. Is it better than the one that doesn't have Amari? That I don't know, and I would assume not. Otherwise, we would be seeing more of it. But I have seen Amari Enchantress deck before. The one thing I will say is, as this is the last one we're going over. It is the last of the 10 companions to have uh, that top eight at a tournament during the time when the companion rule was the other way. Like every other single one was winning tournaments. This was the very last one. I think it was a vintage tournament that it eventually, it eventually <laughs> won. And I think at that point, it was just like trying to push Amari to see what you could have. Like now that all the other ones had done it, like Zerda had, well, Zerda was, was one of the cards that was problematic in Legacy and, and Vintage was banned in Legacy. You know, Luris obviously did it. All the other ones we talked about were doing stuff, and this was the last one. So it's not like I'm looking at some of the stuff that I can imagine. Okay, so like if they're Lutri, like Lutri and Vintage is also insane. Being able to time walk with Lutri is like so. This is weird, but like the card Deadly Dispute, Black One, um, right? Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, common. Black One is an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature, draw two cards, and create a treasure token. So. I don't know exactly because obviously you need to have a creature or an artifact and you can't play either types if you're playing instant mm-hmm. as your main type. But is there like an instant that you can be playing that creates you something that, that's going to create you an artifact or a creature early on? Is there because obviously you can play lands, right? Non-land card. So you right. can play Colony Garden. So you can play Colony Garden on turn one. So now you have a zero one in play. And so then once this thing's in play, now you've just like got a zero one lying around. So now this card becomes one black draw to create a treasure. And the, obviously that combined with Manamorphose, like I, maybe maybe this deck I'd like to try to build. That sounds really fun. It sounds like really stupid. Umari it sounds Storm. like a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, for sure. I think like I, like I, the card's versatile. I, part of it, I think, is like its benefit is real medium. And its restriction is really <laughs> high, right? Like like Goblin yeah, Electromancer like, for four mana is not a card I'm like. Like even Garuda, like six mana for what Garuda is doing is pretty great. Like I would just play that card in a like in a deck regularly. I have it in commander decks. You know, the the Obosh doubling damage is really good. Luros being basically a like a Lur a, a Kess for 
small permanence is really good. <laughs> like there's like a lot yeah. of these cards are like good on their own and I would consider playing them. This one I'm like, would I play that card even if it did like yeah even with the old companion point. rules, this is the weakest one. So it's kind of like maybe that's why it's not done as much as it has. Um I do think I, I think this is a higher chance than Garuda to see play, but I think it's the second least likely to see play. I might take this upon myself as as a challenge to try to build okay. The, uh, the Umori instance tribal deck just based on the fact that I just deadly dispute seems like such a sick to get the <laughs> to get the Calmy Garden deadly dispute uh, shenanigans going. It seems like really, really fun. Well, um, we're, we're, you know, and we are doing a new every Sunday. You're streaming streaming modern on on Twitch on the Kess Wiley Twitch stream. So uh, there's a place for you to try it out. Just true, true enough. Yeah, there is a place for me to try out Rogue Brews. It's been a few years since you guys have seen me run that stuff back. You guys are actually going to see some of that. We recorded the first one or the second one, but technically the first one of the new year sort of pilot number two. And we're putting those matches up on the YouTube channel. Um, so be sure to subscribe. If you're listening to this, you'll be able to actually start seeing some of those matches on YouTube coming up the next month. So so the next the next section that I want to talk about is what you were about to talk about earlier, right, is should they print more of them? And and it's How a little bit on the they were going to. Well, yeah. So so, you know, I think that outside of modern, I love companion in commander. Right. I have okay. two. I currently I believe I have two different companion decks. And I'm like trying to figure out if I want to make Zerta as well. The like I have Obosh and Jund and it's all about like I've like done 400 damage with one creature to a player before. And I have with Jessica and Rayhan, and it's like all about doubling counters and then Jessica tripling damage with Obosh and play doubling that damage, right? So math gets fun. Uh, and then I have Alluris deck because I was like, the issue, the Alluris is really hard because that restriction includes the commander. And that format, they're great, but Obosh is w- way worse with the three mana rule, right? Like it, it, at times I'm like, is it really, like this deck is still good without Obosh. Is it worth losing some good two drops for this like, fun idea that isn't is really expensive eight mana is so much mana but i would love to see more companions for commander like and i think there's a lot of creativity you can do there because you can include the commander within the companion rules right like your commander has to be a merfolk or every card in your deck has to be a merfolk or your commander has to be a four mana xyz right like you can be a little bit more restrictive using that as a template making them not legal in 60 card decks right by referencing a commander you no longer can play them in regular tournaments and then it's fine because i don't think i want more companions in 60 card tournament legal formats like there's no way there's no way to make it fun because if one is good enough to be played it will be played at a level that is not fun is that kind of the idea there is right the way to do it is just make them super specific a good example is like a merfolk one like what if that merfolk god from modern horizons 2 had companion for merfolk like every every creature in your deck has to be a merfolk companion like you could do tribal ones no problem they're kind of boring but then like yeah i mean they, like they, every... they they just become they just become this like well congratulations on printing a really good inevitability card for tribal decks to make them better when they run out of gas it's Which all you're doing fine, is like it could be the thing that those decks need, right? Like it's not like Merfolk is and elves and goblins are like winning every match. But those decks are always, yeah, but those decks are always competitive enough that they'll top eight. They'll just top eight tournaments randomly. And they're always good enough that if they print one new really good card, they'll often get a surge of popularity. And that card doesn't need to have some shenanigans mechanic. It's not necessary. 
Well, I mean, maybe it, like, you know, we had Nikachu on and, and Prof and both of them kind of were on the side of like, yeah, if we got a companion Merfolk, that would be dope. Give Why do, why do these decks get them and my, my deck doesn't, right? And it could be yeah. like Kahira, like the, the restriction, like, like the problem with Kahira is like in that restriction of like the creature tribal version is that you also don't want it to just be what Kahira is, which is like that card I just described would see play in every blue control deck because it's probably better than Kahira's ability, right? Uh, and so is that okay and how do you fix that problem like i like i i i think the like making them commander legal and maybe their legacy vintage legal and there's something in there that like solves that problem that could happen is like fine and i think your point you run into the conspiracy issue like or not conspiracy like conspiracy is different right conspiracy one to conspiracy two it's just like they used all of their good ideas in conspiracy one and like why hold on if you're trying to do something so by the time they got to two they like a realized that maybe conspiracies were too good in drafts, so made them worse. But then also like didn't have as like their the list of like these are the best draft matters cards we can come up with. They ran out of to some extent. You're just thinking. So 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 your feeling is really that as long as they make reference to command zone or commander or something like that on the card, then they're okay because you like having them in commander. Like it like to have to have them available to you as a commander card is a cool thing. You don't think it makes commander worse. Yeah, absolutely. If I was king of the universe, and this is the next part of the con, we can just kind of because we're closing up soon, anyways. Like, is companion a problem in modern, and what to do about it? There's a version of me that says that just make companion not work in sixty card formats. Just yeah, nix it. Just come out with a rule. We just it's not going to work anymore. Companion does like like uh uh the companion mechanic no longer works in modern. Legacy vintage right. standard just it doesn't work in those formats and like because i don't know and that's like the drastic take and that's a take i don't know like i think wizards might take that take in like two years if the format still looks like it does now where half the decks are just companion decks and it's just continuing they might make that decision i think i just i don't know if that's necessary to be completely honest i just think he's probably just ban Luris. that's the other that's the first step because because yurian is like the Yorian decks are powerful. I mean, it's a massive, massive sweep when you actually get it to work, right? But the decks, like, I don't think Yorian is so good that I'm afraid to go into a format against Yorian. Like, I see it coming. It's expensive. You have to spend a lot of... Like, L Luris is stupid. Luris, if I don't have the answer to your Luris and you get your engine going, I'm not going to win. You're, go you're going to win. Like, it's such a massive inevitability engine that it just it is an unfun thing to have in the in the game available especially because like a deck that classically was all about value right boomer jund became well i'm all about value and i have the best value engine ever and i'm mm -hmm. cheaper now too right like when it makes a deck like jund better then what's the point like why would you why would you want a card that makes a deck able to play cheaper things be more resilient and just be even more consistent like that doesn't seem like a fun thing right right no i i think i i like I think the first I think the first step in modern period is the ban Luris. I don't think you need to ban Ragavan. I don't think you need to ban Dragon Rage Chandler. I don't think you need to ban Lur Urza's Saga. I think you need to ban Luris. I think it's at that point where like that card is so ubiquitous and the play pattern is so consistently samey and making the format feel samey that it's worth getting rid of. My point though is I don't know if I agree. Like, I think, like, like what kind of we described, like, I think Kahira just shows, or not Kahira, I think, I think, like, you just still are facing a lot of Kahira decks. I think you face a lot of Urion decks still. And I think you'll start facing off, like, against Obosh decks. Like, I don't, 
the, there are a few decks we mentioned, like Grixis Death Shadow, that would be playing Obosh, other than the fact that they're already getting the play Luris, so why play the slightly worse version? You just feel like, but but like, but but like, I don't think that the inevitability of an of a super expensive card that isn't that good is the problem. I'm not really that. I'm not that concerned with you sacrificing your 15th sideboard slot for a building restriction when it's hardly a restriction. If the thing that's coming is just like you have an extra, I guess, I guess it just makes me feel like I need to do the same thing. I just feel like it makes me feel like if every deck is doing it because they can, and it's just like the extra gear that's what happens, every single, right? right. And that's what like pro, like the other thing is like when pro players are playing this format, they're playing these decks. They're playing a Urion deck. They're playing a, a Kahira deck or they're playing a Luris deck or they're playing a combo deck that doesn't let them play them. They're playing, you know, Reed Duke played the Yagmoth deck because Yagmoth is such an important piece of that deck. You can't play it. You had, you know, you have people playing Amulet Titan because Primeval Titan is a busted card on its own, right? Like there are cards that are so busted that and don't work with any of the companions. And is it worth sacrificing that for that? And often the answer is yes. But, you know, Hammer Time is the best deck in the format. Death Shadow is the second most played deck in the format. Blink is the third most played deck in the format. Of the four most played decks in the format, the only one that isn't playing a companion is Merktide Regent decks, which are like, you know, four, four Merktide, four <laughs> Ragavan. Like, it's not like those are like cheap entry points to the format. And the other, like, that's, and that between the three, four of them right now is one, two, three almost 45% of the format is playing some type of companion, right? And then next level, you have Burn and Jund also playing it once you get to the top eight. So it's like, I don't know. It's like a lot. It's uh, well, and, and I do think the first step is ban Luris. You ban Luris, you see what happens. If then in, in, you know, a year after that, you're still facing a world where like companion decks are still the best decks in the format. And the one that we didn't talk about is like new cards will be printed. Some of the companion, like they're Zerda and Lutri are both like a step in away from being just broken cards that see just as much play as those other cards. In fact, like the Lutri deck we just talked about, I think if you ban Luris, Lutri starts showing up a lot more. And probably, yeah. And like, because that, that's the other answer. The Lutri deck I showed, there's a lot of good three drops and four drops and five drops that they're getting to play, like the Teferis, but like you could just play Luris with the deck, you know, and then you're just playing the Grixis Shadow list. So, like, you ban Luris, I think you see these other cards start seeing more play. You see the other companions start seeing play, but is that better? And I don't know. I think you kind of look at... So, yeah, that's, like, I think the other part is that the thing I don't like about them in Commander right now is the three-man attacks. Is That was made for 60-card formats. In Commander, that's, like, this weird, annoying stipulation that makes them way worse. Playing right, with Luris yeah. in com Commander is a huge restriction. In that format, it sucks. And the fact that I also still have to play this three mana thing is like annoying. Pretty silly, yeah. Agreed. When like just just then you can just go back to the original rules and you just ban them in sixty card formats, and everyone's a little happier, I think. Super, I mean, super awkward to do what you're talking about to like change the rule that's not written on the card that was then written on the card after because it was in a precon. And then they're illegal in sixty card, but now they're legal in commander. It goes back to the old rule, like. Ugh, they're talking about the biggest mistake. <laughs> well, I, think this, I do think this mechanic is the biggest mistake of all time. Really? Uh, like, I can't think. I think it's worse than Artifact Lands. I think it's worse than... It's not worse than Delve? Yeah, it's worse than, yeah, definitely worse than Delve. There's a bunch of Delve spells that are fine. I mean, I guess there's a few companions that are fine. Yeah, there's like two. There's a one companion that's a real problem. 
there's only three delve spells that are a problem. I would say there are three companions that are a problem. I think Urian, Kahiran, and Luros are all a problem. There's only three delve spells? The two blue ones and, and then Hogak? Storm? 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 Storms, maybe? Dredge? I mean, people love Storm. Like, the problem with those two is people love them. I mean, I yeah. guess people can love companions, too. Like, people do love companions. I love companions. Like, that's the other side of this, right? I love this mechanic. I think it's really cool. I want to see more companions printed. I just don't want yeah. them in modern. <laughs> so that's why it's... It, it's rough, though. I, I think the first step is Banlerus. At this point, I'm like, just do it. Like, I don't think he's offering that much. I think, like, Hammer Time was already a good deck before Luris was printed. I think it's no longer the best deck in the format. Right, right, right. But, like, I still think it's good. And I think Death Shadow is still good. I don't think, like, most of the Luris decks, I think, are still fine without it. I mean, the list, the Hammer Time list that I played on Sunday is not playing Luris. Because it's still playing Nettlesist. It's still it's playing a couple other cards you know, oh, sure. drops in the deck. Yeah. So like it's not even playing Luris, right? Like it's the still a very good deck without it. So yeah. anyway, I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation on companions and closes out this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and for watching on YouTube. As always, leave a comment below. Are you a fan of companions? Do you think they need to go somewhere? Do you think they can stick around? We would love to know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll be back same time, same place next week. As always, thanks for listening to the Master of the Mod, MMCast. Thanks, everybody. I guess. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.